Good morning. Hope you had a good week. Hope you... <coughs> this murder true crime story uh, will be the murder of Lacey Peterson. Lacey Denise Peterson, née Roca, May 4, 1975 to December 24, 2002, was an American woman who was the subject of a highly publicized murder case after she disappeared while eight months pregnant with her first child. She was reportedly last seen alive on December 24, 2002. Her husband, Scott Peters, later convicted a first-degree murder for her death and second-degree murder for the death of their prenatal son, Connor. P Peterson is currently on death row at San Quentin State Prison. Early Life and Marriage Lacey Denise Roca was born May 4, 1975 to Sharon and Dennis Robert Roca, who had met in high school and owned the dairy farm west of Escalon, California. <coughs> Sharon named Lacey after a pretty girl she met in high school. Lacey's older brother, Brent Roca, was born in 1971. Lacey worked on the farm from a young age and also enjoyed gardening with her mother and an activity with which she developed an appreciation for plant life that influenced her late life. Sharon's and Dennis divorced when Lacey and her brother, Brent, were young. Sharon and the children moved to Modesto. Though the children visited the dairy on weekends, Sharon helped eventually married Ron Gretzky who helped raise Lacey and Brent from the time Lacey was two years old. Dennis also remarried, gaining a stepson, Nathan Hazard, and with his second wife, had another daughter, Amy Woodward. Lacey was a cheerleader in junior high and high school. After graduating from Thomas Downey High School, she attended California Polytechnic State University, where she majored in ornamental horticulture. While at California Polytechnic, Lacey would sometimes visit a friend who worked at a restaurant in Morro Bay called the Pacific Cafe. There she met her friend's co-worker, Scott Peterson. In mid-1994, Lacey made the first move, sending Scott her phone number, and immediately after meeting him, she told her mother that she had met the man that she would marry. Scott later called Lacey, and they began dating. Their first date being a deep-sea fishing trip on which Lacey got seasick. As Lacey's relationship with Scott grew more serious, he put aside his dreams of professional golf in order to focus on the business path. The couple dated for two years and eventually moved in together. While Scott finished his senior year, Lacey took a job at nearby Prunedale. Prosecutors have stated that around this time, Scott engaged in the first of at least two extramarital affairs, though they had not revealed the name or details of each relationship. After graduation, the couple married at Sycamore Mineral Springs Resort in San Luis Obispo, County's Avila Valley on August 9, 1997. Pearson graduated with a Bachelor of Science degree in agriculture, Agricultural Business in June 1998. After the graduation, Pearson opened a sports bar in San Luis Obispo called The Shack. Business was initially slow, but eventually improved, especially on weekends. They sold The Shack in 2000 when they moved to Lacey's hometown of Modesto, California to start a family. In October 2000, they purchased a three-bedroom, two-bath bungalow house for $177,000 on Covina Avenue in an upscale neighborhood near La Loma Park. Lacey soon took a part-time job as a substitute teacher, and Scott got a job with Trade Corp USA, a newly founded subsidiary of a European fertilizer company in which Scott earned a salary of $5,000 a month before taxes. Lacey's loved ones, including... Her mother and younger sister related that she worked enthusiastic at being the perfect housewife, enjoying cooking and entertaining, and that she and her family welcomed the news in 2002 that she was pregnant. Lacey's initial due date was February 10, 2003, but was changed to February 16, 2003 during their, her second 
trimester. The couple had planned to name to name their son to Connor. In November 2002, when Lacey was seven months pregnant, Scott was introduced to by a friend to a Fresno massage therapist named Amber Frey. In later public statements, Frey said Scott told her he was single and the two began a romantic relationship. The last time Scott's parents saw Lacey was during a three-day weekend they spent together in Carmel, California, the week before Christmas 2002. Disappearance and discovery of the bodies. Apart from her husband Scott, the last two people known to have spoken to Lacey before she disappeared were her half-sister Amy Roca and her mother Sharon. On December 23, 2002, at 5.45 p.m., Lacey and Scott went to Amy's workplace, Salon Salon, where Amy cut Scott's hair as she did each month. As they spoke, Amy said that Scott offered to pick up a fruit basket that she had ordered for her grandfather as a Christmas gift the next day because he would be playing golf at a course nearby. Prosecutors say Scott also told other people he would play golf on the day of Christmas Eve. Later that evening, Sharon spoke with Lacey on the telephone around 8.30 p.m. Scott later told police that he lost saw his wife about 9.30 a.m. on December 24th when he left to go fishing at the Berkeley Marina. He said Lacey was watching a cooking television show but was preparing to mop the floor, bake cookies, and walk the family dog to a nearby park. At the time of her Disappearance, Lacey was seven and a half months pregnant. The next morning, Karen Service, a neighbor of the Petersons, stated that around 10.30 a.m., she found the Petersons' dog of a golden retriever named Mackenzie and returned him to the Petersons' backyard. Shortly after 10.45 a.m., another name, Mike Schiavetta, said he found Mackenzie wandering the neighborhood with a muddy leash and returned him to the Petersons' yard. Scott said he returned home that afternoon to find an empty Scott told Sharon Roca that he found Mackenzie in their backyard, though she related in her book that he later denied this. Lady's 1996 Land Rover Discovery SC was in the driveway. He showered and washed his clothes because he said he got wet from fishing. According to ABC News, Scott reported Lacey missing from the Modesto home. However, the New York Post reported that when Lacey still had not returned home by 5.15 p.m., Peterson called his mother-in-law and that a half hour later, Lacey's stepfather, Ron Gransky, called the police. The Modesto B also attributes the first call to police to Gransky after police arrived at the Peterson home. Lacey's keys, wallet, and sunglasses were found in her purse in the closet at the home the evening of December 24th. The dining room table was meticulously set for a family dinner. The following night, one detective found the phone book on the kitchen counter open to a full-page ad for a defense lawyer. Scott was reported to be completely calm. Modesto Police Detective John Bueller and Alan Brachini, the lead investigator on the case, questioned Scott Peterson that evening. Although Scott initially said he had spent the day golfing, he later told police that he had gone to fish for sturgeon at the Berkeley Marina. At 2.15 p.m., he left a message for Stacy stating, Hey, beautiful, it's 2.15, I'm leaving Berkeley. Scott stated that he went fishing about 90 miles from the couple's Modesto home. The Texas immediately launched a search, but they were surprised by Scott Peterson's behavior. Bueller told ABC News in 2017, I suspected Scott when I first met him. Didn't mean he didn't he did it, but I was a little bit thrown off by his calm, cool demeanor and his late and his lack of questioning. He hasn't will you call me back? Can I have one of your cards? Where are you what are you guys doing now? Melissa police and firefighters carried out a massive search along Dry Creek the day after Lacey's disappearance. The search came to include helicopters equipped with searchlights. 
police mounted on horseback and bicycles, canine units, and water rescue units on rafts. A total of 30 officers were employed in the search, as well as Lacey's loved ones and volunteers who posted flyers to raise awareness of her disappearance. At a press conference, Detective Al Braccini said that police did not believe that Lacey decided to leave without contacting her family, commenting that's completely out of character for her. The initial search and later vigil was organized by immediate family and friends. In the first two days, up to 900 people were involved in looking for Lacey before community officials or police directly participated in the search and prior to significant media coverage. Eventually, the story attracted nationwide, nationwide media interest. A $25,000 award was offered, later increased to $250,000, and finally to $500,000 for any information leading to Lacey's safe return. Posters, blue and yellow ribbons, and flyers were circulated, and the original basic version of the LaceyPeterson.com website was launched by the husband of one of her friends. Friends, family, and volunteers set up a command center at a nearby Red Lion Hotel to record developments and circulate information. Over 1,500 volunteers signed up to distribute information and help search for her. On April 13, 2003, a couple walking their dog found the decomposing but well-preserved body of a late-term male fetus in the marshy area of the San Francisco Bay Shore and Richmond Point's Isabel Regional Shore Park, north of Berkeley. Its umbilical cord was still attached, appearing to have been t- torn, not, not cut or clamped, as is the normal practice at the birth. Although a judge sealed the autopsy results, an autopsy, an anonymous social express source revealed that 1.5 loops of nylon tape were found around the fetus's neck and a scissor cut was on the fetus's body. One day later, a passerby found the body of a recently pregnant woman wearing beige pants and a maternity bra washed up on the eastern rocky shoreline of the bay one mile away from the baby's body was found. The corpse was decomposed to the point of being almost unrecognizable as a human body. The woman had been capitated and her limbs were missing, including most of her legs. On April 19, 2003, there was also a DNA test verified that they were the bodies of Lacey and her unborn son, Connor. The autopsies on both bodies were formed by forensic pathologist Dr. Brian Peterson, no relation to Scott Peterson. According to the autopsies, Connor's skin was not decomposed at all though the right side of his body was mutilated and the placenta and, plus, and umbilical cord were not found with the body. Lacey's cervix was intact. The exact date and cause of Lacey's death were never determined. She had suffered two cracked ribs, though Dr. Peterson could not determine if this occurred before or after her death. Lacey's upper torso had been emptied of internal organs except for the uterus, which protected the fetus, explaining the lower level of decomposition experience. Dr. Peterson determined that the fetus had been expelled from Lacey's decaying body, though he testified he could not determine whether the fetus had been born alive or dead. There were no food in his, there was no food in his stomach, which would have indicated a live birth had been present. The Associated Press also observed that the doctor's testimony appeared contradictory at times, though he stated that no cause of death could be termed for Lacey or Connor. He also said it was her death that caused Connor's death while he was still in the uterus. Investigation and Trial It was later publicized that Scott had numerous extramarital affairs, one of which Lacey knew about. The most recent was with a massage therapist named Amber Fry, a single mother from nearby Fresno. The affair began after he met a woman, Sean Sibley, on October 4, 2002, at a trade convention where he represented his company, Trade Corp. He told her he was single and looking. He joked that he would... 
He should put a horny bastard on his name tag to help him meet women. Though Sibley was attached, she thought she, he would be a good match for Amber Fry, a friend of hers. Sibley gave Fry's contact information to Scott, and he called her on November 19th. He met her the next day. After a month-long whirlwind romance, she informed police of their relationship. Shortly after discovering he was a person of interest in Peterson's disappearance on the local news and agreed to phone him while police recorded their conversation, she... She informed police. He told her on December 9th, two weeks before this, Peterson's disappearance, he was a widower and it would be the first Christmas without his wife. Scott was arrested on April 18, 2003, near a La Jolla golf course. He claimed to be meeting his father and brother for a game of golf. His desperate dark brown hair had been dyed blonde, and his Mercedes was overstuffed with miscellaneous items, including nearly $15,000 of cash, 12 Viagra tablets, survival gear, camping equipment, several change of clothes, four cell phones, and two driver's license. His and his brother's, Scott's father, Lee Peterson, explained that Scott had used his brother's license the day before to get a San Diego resident discount at the golf course, and that Scott had been living out of his car because of the media attention. Police and prosecutors, however, saw these items as an indication that Peterson had planned to flee to Mexico. On April 21, 2003, Scott was arraigned in Stanislaw County Superior Court before Nancy Ashley, before Judge Nancy Ashley, he was charged with two felony counts of murder with premeditation and special circumstances. He pled not guilty. Judge Al Giralami of Stanislaw County Superior Court moved his trial to San Mateo County because so many people in Stanislaw had made up their minds about Peterson's guilt. His trial began on June 1, 2004. On November 12, 2004, Scott Peterson was convicted of first-degree murder for his wife's death and second-degree murder for Connor's death. Judge Alfred A. DeLucci sentenced Scott to death, calling the murder of Lacey cruel, uncaring, heartless, and callous. In March 2019, California Governor Gavin Newsom issued a moratorium for all 737 persons on death row in California, including Peterson. The order postpones all executions for the duration of Newsom's tenure as governor. Even though California had not executed a prisoner since, executed a prisoner since 2006 due to legal challenges to the state's execution protocol, this is an order spares its approximately 25 prisoners on death row who had exhausted their legal appeals and could have had their executions move forward once the legal challenge was resolved. Peterson Fellows said they were in favor of Newsom's action, but noted that his case was likely to be unaffected by it. The family does not believe Peterson would exhaust all of his legal challenges by January, 2000, by January 2027 when Newsom would be leaving office, assuming his re-election in 2022. Aftermath the death of Lacey and Connor Peterson led to the passage of the Inborn Victims of Crime Act, which is also known as Lacey and Connor's Law. On April 1, 2004, Sharon Roca and her boyfriend, Ron Gransky, were in attendance at the White House when President George W. Bush signed the bill into law. The act provides that under federal law, any person who causes death injury to an unborn child on the commission of a crime upon a pregnant woman will be charged with a separate offense. On, April, on October 21, 2005, Stanislaw County, California Superior Court Judge Roger Bochesny ruled that Scott was not entitled to collect on Lacey's $250,000 life insurance policy have been convicted of her murder. Under California state law, criminals may not profit from insurance policies. On December 19, 2005, the money was given to Roca as an executor of her estate. The California 5th District Court of Appeals in Fresno later affirmed 
a trial court decision on October 31st, 2007. In 2006, Sharon wrote for Lacey a mother's story of love, loss, and justice, a biography and memoir about Lacey's life and death. All prisoners are used to fund the Lacey and Connor Search and Rescue Fund, which she found founded on January 29, 2006. It was listed at, no, at number one on the New York Times nonfiction bestseller list. Lacey's stepfather, Ron Grassley, died in his sleep at his Modesto home on April 8, 2018, at age 71, after a lengthy period of failing health. He was buried next to Lacey and Connor. Lacey's father, Dennis Rocha, died December 9, 2018, at the age of 72. Media In 2004, USA Network aired the television film The Perfect Husband, The Lacey Peterson Story. In 2004, E! aired an episode of the E! True, True Hollywood Story on Lacey Peterson. In 2015, The Serious Murder Made Me Famous covered the story in its second episode, which premiered August 22nd. The case was a top topic of eponymous 2000 premiere episode of Investigation Discoveries True Crime of Aphrodite Jones. On April 21, 2017, the NBC News Magazine Dateline aired the two-hour special The Lacey Peterson Story, a Dateline Investigation. In 2017, the ABC aired a two-hour documentary on the case titled Truth and Lies, The Murder of Lacey Peterson. In 2017, the case was covered in A&E's six-part series, The, May- the Murder of Lacey Peterson. In 2017, the investigation cover aired a two-hour documentary titled Scott Peterson, An American Murder Mystery. In 2017, HLN aired a two-hour program on the case titled How It Really Happened. In 2017, Crime Junkie Podcast produced two episodes detailing Peterson's murder. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this true crime story. Uh, hope you stay safe. Stay home if you can. Practice social distancing. Wear a mask. Wash your hands during this coronavirus pandemic as we hope for return to normalcy, whatever that may be. Thank you and have a good week.